everybody. Welcome back to the Bold and Virtuous podcast. I'm your host, Denisa, and welcome to today's beautiful and beautiful episode. Today, we are shooting from a different location. My house is currently under renovation a little bit, so I kind of had to move my bedroom um, kind of on a temporary basis. But you know what? I At first, I really missed my original bedroom, but now I'm kind of lo- I'm loving these white walls because my, my original bedroom has like a red feature wall. It's, you know, got stuff all over the walls. Right now, I do feel a bit like I'm in a white cave, but I have to say the echo in here is beautiful and perfect for a podcast. So if you hear clearer sound, <laughs> that is why. Um, but I hope everyone is having a marvelous week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the last podcast, I really recommend it. It was a wonderful collab between a friend of mine. Um, and we talked about some real important issues about identity. But today, we're going to switch it up a little bit. It's just going to be me, but we are going to go through with the Holy Spirit and really dive deep into the wisdom of understanding the timing of relationships. A lot of people struggle with the understanding of, or rather I should say a lot of women, but probably men too. I, I just, I haven't had as many men moan about it <laughs> as as girls do. But a lot of us girls just really struggle with the understanding of how do we know if we're ready for a serious relationship? How do we know if we're ready for marriage yet? Uh, and a lot of people really struggle with understanding, oh, is my husband not here yet because I'm not ready? Uh, Or is my, you know, is my partner not here because there's still something else I need to do? The amount of times I hear this question, and I don't just mean that I hear it around, like I've heard it and I've asked myself that. I've asked the Holy Spirit that in my own journey with the Lord. And now, I mean, I am not saying that I am some expert in this by any means, but the, the Holy Spirit has given me the understanding and wisdom over these years that actually it's far more than that question. It is far more than just, you know, being ready one day. And we're going to dive in today on what does it mean to be ready? So in order to go deep into answering this question and understanding what does it mean when we are ready for marriage, there is another side to it where, you know, Sometimes it's not about, it's not about like the actual physical, okay, ready, set, go. Uh, however, there are certain, certain pinpoints that you can look through in your journey with the Lord, in your understanding of how he works in order to get a, a better visual, a better understanding of where, where do I stand on this? Because I don't think that you're ever truly completely ready. Um, I think that there's always something more that you can do. I think that there's never a, a point where you can say, okay, I'm perfect. Now I can now I can get married. Um, plus marriage is not about perfection, but we'll go into that later. But rather what we're going to look at is points that help the preparation season and that help the, the season of prior prior to marriage that will eventually make that marriage so much more successful, so much more blessed and so much more rooted in the Lord. Before I officially start, so I have about six main points and we're going to fly through all of them, but I just want to make a quick disclaimer that none of these points are originally mine. Okay, so some of them are very generic. Some of them are things that probably you've thought of yourself perhaps, but the way that they're looked at and the perspective that they're um, that we're going to look at them in is actually from a 
marriage conference that I went to and I took notes on these specific points because I found it so invigorating. Um, And I just, there's a specific, the sixth point is my favorite. So stick around till the end because it is a really good one. It really, I've never seen you know, um, this, the story in the Bible in that way. So that, that one was really good, but, um, do you know what I mean? There's just, sometimes people give, uh, pastors and speakers such revelation and it's good to take what they've, what they've given you and then go study it more. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to take those main points and then we're going to digest them a bit more ourselves, but the points themselves, um, are not mine. So I'm not trying to take Uh, any form of credit. The man behind them is actually called uh, uh, Danny Drume. So he's actually a Romanian speaker um, and it was a Romanian church conference. I will have a link to one of his sermons down below because he's got quite a few on YouTube. You can find um, a bunch. If you do by some magic speak Romanian, you can listen to some of his other ones. They are phenomenal. There's so much wisdom and knowledge and um, and such humor to, to the way he speaks. I really, I really like, he's a very good, like, listen, you know, he's really good at, um, at speaking. So if you do speak in uh, Romanian, then I definitely recommend. If you don't, um, you can uh, find a way to translate uh, things like that, although it might be a bit difficult. But that's why, that's why I wanted to do this today, because it is in Romanian and not everyone who, you know, speaks English. A lot of people who listen to the post, to the podcast are English or are American and they will never be able to find this man. So first of all, we're going to start with Genesis 2 and I'm just going to quickly read uh, some verses. So verse 18 first and then uh, verse 22 to 23. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Then verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Okay. So the very first point that we see here is it is mentioned twice. The Lord looks at Adam and first of all mentions in verse in, in Genesis 2 verse 18 that Adam needs a helper. And then from verse 22 onwards, the Lord makes the woman. So why, why is that important to watch? So the first point is that God made woman, if you watch very carefully, he made woman and not girl. Have you ever noticed that? So um, he, when he created Eve, he didn't say, oh, okay, he made the girl and prepared it and then, you know, got it, got her ready for, for the man. He made the woman directly because, because God knew that the man needed a woman. Therefore, there is maturity that is necessary when it comes to joining to a man and specifically, obviously, to marriage. Um, So the very first point is maturity. How do you know you're ready for marriage? Because there is maturity in you. You have become a woman. You are not a girl anymore. You are not um, dependent on those around you as you were in your childhood. Um, You are a woman fully and completely standing on your own two feet, fully and completely aware of who you are. You know, a woman, when I say woman, you don't, you don't think of this little girl running through the fields who's 18 years old. 
you know, you think of a woman, you think 25 years and up, you know, sometimes I just think of a 30 year old when I think woman, um, you know, I mean, the, the maturity level uh, of the age can, can differ because we all have different uh, childhoods, we're all raised differently. If, if your childhood is a bit more rough, then your maturity level can rise much faster than others, uh, whereas others can be very spoiled and they, they don't really turn into a woman until they're like 35, 36. So I'm not trying to put a, a specific time deadline on it that oh if you're 30 you're not mature and not a woman then you know what are you doing Uh, (laughs) um, because I understand that everyone goes through different things but um, it is important that we understand as a woman what kind of maturity level do we stand at and I'm not trying to say oh go look in the mirror and you shall know look around you you know because the best thing to do is to kind of get get the answer to this from the outside Ask your friends, ask your family. They will definitely be honest with you. Ask your, ask your parents. Uh, and most importantly, ask God. Uh, and he will give you the truth. You know, it's important that we see ourselves for what we are. But sometimes the, the mirror can be distorted. You know, we can have pride. We can have um, vanity. And we look in the mirror because we want to be ready for marriage, because we want to move into that season. And we do. We're like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely very mature. But. Do your friends think that, you know, do, do you have, have any of your friends ever come to you and said, you know what, I really want to talk to you because there's a maturity about you that's beyond your age, or there's a maturity about you that I, I really need right now. You know, watch, watch how people compliment you. Do they just compliment you on your hair or is there ever a mention of your character and maturity? We have one A and one B. What does that mean? First, you got to have maturity, like I said, you need the maturity in character, but first of all, you have maturity in the body. So the woman became uh, mature physically. um, And unless we are mature physically, we are definitely not ready. You know, that is a definite no, no. Um, you, You can't look at a 13, 14 year old girl when you see them, you know, in Africa, in Asia, getting married, and you're like, wow, how do they do that? They're, they're just children. You know, it just doesn't look right. It just seems so premature because that girl is not a woman yet, not even in the body. Some of them, um, you know, the minute that they get their period, which is what, 13 years old, that's it. They just, they, some cultures say that, that that means they're ready for marriage, but they are still so young, you know, even their their chest hasn't come in properly. They haven't even grown to their full height, like all of that. We need the, to, to really have the maturity in our body, this, the total and complete confidence in who we are, how we stand, confidence in in our body as well. For example, for me, yes, I had a, a, a self-esteem issue when I was younger, but it took me a long time to really accept my body. I was like 21, 22, and I still struggled heavily with my body, with accepting it, um, with truly and completely feeling confident in it. And sometimes we go into relationships thinking, oh, my, my, my boyfriend, my husband will love me enough for me to love myself, or he will prove to me, uh, or he will sit there all day and night and tell me that I'm wrong and that I'm actually beautiful. We can't put that kind of expectation, that kind of um, burden on our husbands. That is that is not his role. You know, yes, he is meant to lift you up, but his role is not to give you what you should already have as a mature woman of God. Uh, second is maturity, maturity in souls. So before the r- relationship, 
um, man was actually given a responsibility, wasn't he? Um, the, the, the verses prior before uh, 21 in chapter 2 in Genesis talks about how God gave him all these animals and told him, go and name each one of them. So he was given a certain responsibility to do uh, in the sense that he needs to be the provider. And maybe some Christians may not believe in that anymore. I certainly still do. I think it's so beautiful when the man is the main provider. I'm not saying that women can't work anymore, but I just, I think that there is a certain beauty, a certain reflection of the word of God when the man um, is truly seen and stands as a provider for the house. Um and because, you know, he does his role and the woman does her role. So there's just such a beauty in that. So again, are you ready to accept that? And if you're not, why is that? What if, what if the husband you marry does want to, to genuinely and honestly be the provider? Are you willing to humble yourself to let him be that? Um, or what about the other side? Are you, are you willing to help him with things that maybe, you know, you weren't you weren't expecting to open yourself up to, to being, to being something totally different to what you think you need to be. You know, marriage can surprise us in so many ways. And so many couples tell us that they are never truly and completely ready for marriage because there's always something new that they never knew about that can come up. So I think that's what we need to do to, to prepare ourselves, really get our mentality right with understanding that actually, yeah. you know what, I can do it, even if it's totally different. And then third of all, maturity in the spirit. So Adam spent time with the Lord before the woman came, didn't he? He sinned because he went after Eve out of love. But if you look carefully in Genesis, he didn't actually listen to the tempter. That That was Eve who listened to the snake. Adam listened to Eve. So he followed her while she followed the serpent. And that's exactly how it was you know, when they blamed each other, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent and so on. But the sad thing is, is that he knew better. He knew better than to listen to the serpent, to listen to the tempter, because he knew he had, he had had more time with the Lord. He had more maturity with God. So hence why the temptation wouldn't have worked on him. But with Eve, it did because she hadn't had as much time with the Lord. That's why it's so important that we have time with the Lord. And I encourage you, take time. Take intimate time with the Lord. Don't just depend on the church. Don't just depend on your community groups to to spend time with God. Go home. Spend time with him in the morning, at night, in your lunch break, whenever you can. Squeeze him in as much as you can. Don't give me the excuse that you're busy, you know. Like, if you truly care about the Lord, about your faith, and if you know within your heart that your faith is far more important than everything else, you will find time. But if nothing else is able to be pushed aside because you're always busy or other things are always taking priority over God, then what exactly is your faith? Are you really willing to sacrifice your salvation, your faith, because, you know, work is getting a bit busy? I'm not saying that we need to neglect work or we need to, you know, be irresponsible, but the Lord will always provide a way for us to find him. Um, therefore, before marriage, we need to make sure that we spend time with God, that we are mature in our relationship with him. Because look, look what happened with Adam and Eve. Eve ended up listening to the tempter something that Adam knew much better on. But because he loved her so much, 
you know, when he, it's true that he could have, you know, denied her. He could have said, no, I'm not doing it. This isn't good, girl. Let's get away from here. But he loved her so much. And he kind of, you know, he got manipulated by her a little bit. So that's, that's what I mean. I don't know about you, but when I go into marriage, I don't want to go in uh, as a manipulator. I don't want to be the kind of woman that gets my husband to sin, to, you know, and reach for temptation. I want to be the kind that will, that will help sanctify him even more, that will help him reach for even more of God's depth and, and holiness. And that is what it means to be holy. That is, uh, and that is what it means to be ready for marriage, to come in with a real mentality and maturity, the God and goodness and uh, purity is where the foundation of the marriage lies. Second of all, we got we to gotta get through these because my goodness, uh, but I told you they are very, very good. Um, Danny uh, is an incredible speaker and the, the revelations from the Holy Spirit are beautiful. Um, so second of all, verse 23 says, um, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So what does that mean? Being ready for marriage, especially this counts more for if you've met him or if you see somebody that seems quite interesting, it has to be someone who is bone of bone, meaning there has to be compatibility, right? So first is maturity. Second is compatibility. You need to be compatible with each other. You need to be of the opposite sex because you need to make sure we f you fit into each other like two puzzle pieces. You can't be the same. You will never fit into each other. But two puzzle pieces, one that has, you know, a, a hole in it and one that has a piece that's sticking out will fit perfectly into each other. Therefore, that makes them compatible. That means they complete one another per se. The, the sad thing is that homosexuality is very real and I'm not suggesting otherwise. Um, but again, I will mention this quickly because Danny put it really well. And he said um, that homosexuality is actually an instinct of flesh and of how we are born. And that is sin. So all of us are born a certain way, whether it is homosexual or whether it is, you know, other sorts of character traits, that is sinful because we're born into the flesh. What we need to do, however, that's why Jesus says you have to die to yourself and be born again. That's what the water baptism is. What you are raised to life again. You die to your flesh and you are raised to life in spirit and in truth and total, complete sinlessness through Jesus's blood. So that's why we need to change, die to ourselves, die to the, to the flesh that leads us to, to sin and be born again the right way kind of thing, in purity, without sin. It doesn't mean we won't sin again because we do still live in the world and we're not perfect yet. However, sin will never have that power over us. We no longer have the chains uh, uh, keeping our wrists tied to this world. And homosexuality is one of those sins. That Some people say, I'm born this way. Fine, you are. But that doesn't mean that you need to follow that. Some people are born wanting you know, to be violent, wanting to, 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 you know, kick things and whatever. By the time they grow up, they realize being violent is not good. I have to die to that. It's the same thing. So, you know, the, the, the person that is violent, you're like, oh no, they definitely need to change and be better. Well, homosexuality is the same. It's uh, not just meaning that you were born that me being born one way does not make it right because we are not born into heaven. We're not born into perfection. We're not born into sinlessness. We are born into sin. Therefore, we should never trust how we are born. Uh, and point number three, 
we need a partner that loves Jesus, right? So if he does that, if he really adores the Lord, then he will love you too in response. So first, again, I'm going to go through them. First is maturity. Second is compatibility. Third is love. He needs to love Jesus. He needs to truly and completely show, to truly and completely show that he is in love with the Lord. When you look for that man, you want to see someone who really worships, who really prays, who is completely in love with the Lord. And he may not be in his first love because sometimes we go back and forth, but you can see he cares. He really, really cares about the Lord. He respects him. He, he fears the Lord because if he does that and if he truly loves Jesus, he will love you too. Because it is only those that love the Lord that follow his plan and his will and his commandments. So that's why we need someone to really love Jesus. But don't just look at his behavior because people can lie. Okay. People can be very fake very easily. It's not hard. Um, but ask Ask the people around him. Ask his friends. Ask his family if you can. Um, you know, ask the people that know him in the church. Anybody, anyone. And you need to make sure that you meet uh, people that are you know, and make mutual friends between you. I don't understand those couples that get together and they've literally never met each other's friends. They've never met each other's uh, family. They just decide, yep, that's it. This is my wife, my husband. They've never met each other's, you know, parents-in-law. Like, that's it. They, they just, they just know. Like, you can't take everything directly from the person. You have to see how they treat others. You have to see where are his tendencies. Reach, research his online presence. What's his Facebook page like? What's his Instagram? His Does he have Instagram? Does he have Facebook and TikTok? What kind of stuff does he post? Um, you know, all of those things reflect on who we are. Um, and that's important when you're choosing someone, but that's important for us too, girls. You know, how do we if the man looks at us like that, you know, does our life propel forward love, love for Jesus? Does it propel that we are truly and completely respectful of the Lord and his commandments? The way that our, whether that's our online presence. What about our friends? If somebody asks our friends, how is, how is this person? How is she? What are they going to say about us? Is there a lot of gossip happening about us? If so, why? Yes, I know some people can be, you know, gossipers because they can't die to their flesh. But is there something that you're doing that is causing that too? Is there something better that we can do? I'm not saying that we, we need to sit and constantly care what other people say. But when it comes to our family, when it comes to our friends, to our circle groups, um, it's important that we have people that are honest and sincere, whether it's in front of you or behind the wall. Uh, because there were these girls and I would meet their friends and honestly, their friends did not speak very highly of them. But when they were together, oh, they would be like, you're so beautiful. You're so nice. I love this girl so much. And then I would talk to her in private and she'd be like, oh, this girl drives me crazy. Like, I can't stand her, but whatever, it's fine. You know, I'm like, okay, is your friend just really someone who really needs to understand faithfulness? Or is there, are you treating her a certain way that is that is not right. You know, we have to really question those things and look at who we are outside of a romantic relationship. Okay, number four. Sorry, I know I'm flying through these, but I want to make sure I finish and that I don't keep you for three hours. <laughs> uh, number four, you have to like them. So in choosing that partner, you have to make sure 
you like the person. Oh, there are so many couples, uh, and even in my own family, I've seen where people just marry each other for convenience. Don't marry someone because it's good for you, okay? <laughs> like Danny put it, it's not business. Man marriage is not business. It's not a business deal you're making. Oh, yep, these, there's a lot of good assets on this. Like marriage is something that should be uh, should be sown in love. Yes, there has to be wisdom in how you choose, but it is not business. Uh, and it's certainly not because you pity him. Again, I've I've had family members that have married out of pity because they feel sorry for them because they the the you know the guy doesn't have very much or he seems to have a good heart but his character is all over the place and people misjudge him girl you're not meant to be his savior you're not meant to be the one to come and try and get him out of all his mess that's God's job. Don't try and be God in that relationship. And don't enter into the relationship thinking you will save him. That is the most dangerous thing in the world. And I've done it too. Okay. I, I don't blame anybody. I've done it too. I've been there. But it is never safe and it is never good for the relationship. It will always end up in a disaster. Either you'll end up tied to the person for way too long or even end up marrying them and end up in a massive mess or even divorced, which again, I know people who are in that situation at the moment, or you will end up breaking up with them, but it will be so much heartache and so much, so much pain along the way. And it will constantly, you'll constantly be tied to that person because they will have this manipulative thing over you where you constantly feel like, oh, I didn't do my job. I didn't save them like I said I was going to. I need to go back. And you will keep going back and forth. And you'll never be truly free. And it's so dangerous. And that counts for saving them in uh, for their souls in the sense of evangelism. But it also counts for saving them out of, you know, out of debt, out of something physical, out of their family situation, whatever it may be. If there, if there is the word save there, that is not a relationship. That's, that's you trying to be something that you are not. You're trying to take God's role in their life. It's not real love if there's not a little bit of nerves, a little bit of redness, a little anxiety, not lust and certainly not infa just infatuation, but real love needs a type of syrup, as Danny puts it, you know, real love needs something to excite you, something that it's almost like you look and you can't believe this is real. And I don't mean infatuation, okay? Infatuation means when you are in the first couple of months, maybe even the first year, and you just are completely blinded to his flaws. That is not what I'm talking about. Um, come out of infatuation and look at it clearly. Um, but do not do not go in, you know, thinking, oh, everything is peachy. Not like that. But I mean, love in the sense of, you know, excitement. There is something that's that really excites you about him that you can see is so good for you when you are around this person. It's just so good for you. And it makes you better. But at the same time, if all you have is struggle, I'd, I'd put a question mark next to that. Is there more struggle than there is good? Because if that's the case at the beginning of your relationship, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? You know, the beginning should be, if not the easiest. <laughs> yes, it's okay to have some struggles too. And if anything, if, if you get through them at the beginning, it can really propel your, your relationship forward. But at the same time, you want a relationship that has such a good 
so much good as a foundation that no matter what you face, you know you can get through it. And the way he put this was beautiful. He said, don't go to the Lord and tell him that God is the one at fault. Like if you have, if you end up in that mess because you chose someone, you know, that has all those traits that are not healthy, don't go to God and say, Lord, why did you give me this man? Why did you do this to me? Look how miserable I am. Look what a, what a jerk he is. I cannot believe I'm here. How dare you do this? How dare you say you love me if you gave me this? Well, that's the whole point is that it is completely your choice. Never in the Bible does it say that you have to marry exactly who God chooses for you. In the Bible and even all the stories in the Old Testament, you can see that men marry for love, uh, especially the ones that really count. There are some men in the Bible that fight for their love like crazy. Uh, look at Ruth and Boaz. That man was fighting for her and promising her, I will do everything that I can. I, I want to be a, a ma an honorable man and I know that you belong to this person, but I will do what I can because I want to be with you. It was out of love and it wasn't because God came to Boaz and said, this is your woman, go and marry her. He fell in love with her. It was his choice at the end of the day. And that's what it is for you too. You have to. Being ready for a relationship is also having the full understanding that it is your responsibility and your choice. Do not ever think that you can go to God, blame him for if you make a mistake, and then expect God to come and fix everything. You will have to stick with it. Divorce is not an option. Allowing ourselves to truly have faith that the Lord can guide us, for sure, the Holy Spirit can guide us. Um, if, if we meet someone, you know, we may not be able to see them for who they truly are. The Holy Spirit can tell us, but it is still our choice at the end of the day. Okay, number five, there also has to be compatibility in ministry and work as well when it comes to your, to your spouse, right? So it's kind of like a pair of shoes, if they're slightly off, even just a little bit, if just, they're just a little too long at the front or they're rubbing you at the back because they're a little too tight on the heel, you won't be able to walk properly. It may work for a minute, but eventually what they're gonna, what, what's going to happen? They're going to end up rubbing you. They're going to end up slipping off your feet. They're going to end up tripping you. It is not going to work well. And your walk will not be um, smooth. You will not be able to walk at the right pace. You will constantly trip and fall. And that is the perfect image and illustration of our walk with the Lord. You need to be compatible in your ministry and work with him um, because they will affect your walk with the Lord. And God can give you and help you find what fits according to your ministry. It is not just um, if your ministry is evangelism and you know that the Lord has put that in your heart and he wants to teach theology to longtime Christians and all of this, and she wants to travel the world and just speak and evangelize to people in all forms of countries at the end of the world, how are you going to be compatible? You're always going to be in different places. You're not going to be able to truly and completely live that life together. And you're not going to be able to support each other as well. Therefore, you have to trust that the Lord will give you a ministry and a man who will have a ministry that will complement yours and vice versa. You both need to serve together and be in peace and at the same pace. Again, like the walking, you need to walk in the same pace. You can't go faster and he's slower and you have to be equally yoked, like it says in the Bible. You, you can't be withdrawn from the church because, you know, his passion is business. 
you don't want to to have so much pressure on you like if he's called to be a pastor and you you know you want to be in private and you want to only work with individual people in private because you have no interest or passion for the church as a whole then he's going to pressure you you're going to constantly feel like you're trying to walk far too fast than what you're ready or able to do and that again is the example of being unequally yoked we have to know to be ready. We have to know what is our ministry? What is your work in the Lord? What is it that you are called to do? If you do not know, ask the Lord. He will show you. I remember when I asked God, he revealed it to me and did, did so quite quickly too. It is a question that the Lord is ready and eager to answer because he wants us to have a focus and a goal. And he wants us to know who we are in him and who we're called to be. Again, before I come to the last to the last point, so again, we have the first, which was maturity, second was compatibility, third was love for Jesus, fourth was you have to choose them for the right reasons um, and with wisdom, and fifth, you have to be compatible in ministry and work. And six, and the final the final point is when God made the woman, if you pay close attention, he took her, this is my favorite point. Are you ready for this? He took her in private first. And then he said, that, then the Bible says that he brought her to the man. So that means, because in that moment, when God created Adam and Eve, right? He put Adam to sleep. He took the rib out of him and put it into Eve. When he did that, they were next to each other, right? He wouldn't have taken Eve, you know, to China and said, okay, I'm going to grab this rib. I'm going to go to China, put it in hand, then come, come back to you and tell you, just give me one second. You know, they were right next to each other. However, the Lord did not allow Adam to wake up before he took Eve in private first and then introduced her to him like a proper, one of those red carpet walk-ins, one of those moments that you see in movies, you know, where she comes down the stairs and she has that proper entrance. <laughs> That's exactly what God did. He wanted Adam to see her first and foremost, ready, alive, breathing, and just walking straight to him, ready in all the glory of the Lord. And that's what made him just immediately fall in love with her. It was so beautiful. It was the revelation that God gave to Adam that she was his. She is yours. You know, he brought her to him and said, she is yours. That is so beautiful. And this is what ties into what I said before that, yes, the Lord never forces us to um, choose anybody. However, he will, he can reveal to us uh, and he can guide us. He will also tell us, um, he will give us red fla flags if, if we ask. If there is something insincere or improper about that person, the Lord will tell us, but we have to ask. We have to go to him. We can't just rush and keep our ears and eyes closed because, oh, I really like him. I don't want to see any flaws because I don't want to lose him. You know, like, girl, slow down. Go to the Lord, ask him what is going on and trust him. And if this man is not it, the Lord will give it to you. That is another very important point of knowing whether you're ready. Are you willing to sacrifice whoever you meet, however nice he seems or doesn't seem? Are you willing to sacrifice him if God says, this is not for you? This is not good for you. I know him better than you do. And I don't want you with him. Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, I follow you and I, I'd rather I trust you more than I trust how he looks or what he says about himself. That is a very, very big step forward into readiness for marriage.
those are the final points. So again, I'll say them again because I know there's quite a lot. So maturity, check your maturity to see if you are ready for marriage. Check your compatibility with that person. Make sure you know yourself and know what is compatible to you. Make sure that you love Jesus and that he does too. Because if he loves Jesus and you love him, then you will certainly love each other. Four, make sure that you like them. Make sure that you do not marry them out of the wrong reasons or because you're desperate or because of pity or any other thing other than love. Five, make sure that you are compatible in your ministry and work. Make sure that you know what your ministry is or at least that you are totally open to whatever the Lord is going to ask of you and that you're not close-minded to how far the Lord may take you. And six, make sure that you ask the Lord what it is that he thinks of the choice you're trying to make. Make sure that you are spending time in private with the Lord before you rush to meet the man. Because the more time you spend with the Lord, the less likely it will be that you will be tempted like Eve was. And what's important to remember, two major mistakes that have to do with maturity is uh, rushing. As Danny put it, don't pick the apple before autumn. Don't pick it in spring. Some people think that they are, uh, they, they have the desire and because it's so strong, that is their season. But if anything, spring may not be your season. Spring may be when everything gets riled up, fine. But sometimes, but the apple is best in autumn. It's not in springtime. In springtime, it's still growing. So be patient with yourself. Be patient with what the Lord is doing in you, the work the Lord's doing in you. Do not rush him and do not rush your choice because you think that if you wait just a little longer, it will all be over and you'll never find anyone again. That is a lie of the enemy to get you to make a huge mistake. And two, another huge mistake is passivity. Um, too much waiting is not good either, on the other hand. You know, you can have too much perfectionism, too much pickiness. There should be maturity, but remember that maturity does not mean perfection. So let's do our best to to fit into these roles, to fit into each one of these major points for readiness, but at the same time to be open, to be open-minded to whoever comes, even if they do not fit exactly what we have. Remember, expectation is not standard. We need to have standards and they need to, to be still and sure, but expectation is something different. Expectation is things that you'd like to live with, but let's be honest, you can live without. <laughs> so let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your beautiful word today. Thank you because you are doing a marvelous work in your women and men today. Thank you because there are still many wonderful men and many wonderful women out there. There are still choices to be made, God. And sometimes we can feel so helpless and so hopeless um, because it is harder to find a good man of God or a good woman of God. Um, but Jesus, we know that there are still people that love you. And as long as we love you, then we will be honorable and truthful and obedient to your word. So help us to do that and help us, God, to prepare for marriage. But most importantly, to do these things because we love you and to do these things because we want to become more like you every day. Let your name and your grace and love be our first and most priority and the rest will come. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this was a good one. I know it was a bit of a, of a quick one. I had to kind of go through a lot in 45 minutes, but 
I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did when I first heard it. Again, I will put the links of Danny's uh, sermons in the description. I give him full and total credit for these points. Um, but it was fun to dive deeper into them and to look a little bit more from my perspective. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it taught you something like it did me. And I hope that you are blessed and have a wonderful week. Uh, I will see you guys in the next podcast. Let's be bold and virtuous in our waiting seasons, in our preparation for marriage. God bless you guys. Bye.